for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is Tuesday, July 26, 2022, and today's guest is Alex Chop. All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and today's episode is number 228. And today's guest, Alex Chop from Latitude Outdoors or Latitude Tree Saddles, we talk about a public land hunt he had not too long ago where he killed an absolute giant. I mean, 160s type giant in public land, and the story is really cool and how he breaks it down. Alex, I've as I got you know get to know him more, like he is a silent killer. This dude knows his stuff. I love the videos that they put out on Latitude's YouTube channel talking about the hunt recaps and everything. And the same goes with with Kevin and Jake as well. They all know what they're doing when it comes to hunting whitetails and public land whitetails in general. Like these guys, like they seems like they get it done just about everywhere they go. Uh, and I, I'm glad I get to call them friends and, you know, get to lean on them a little bit and, and learn. And, you know, honestly, this October, I'm going to share camp with them here in Michigan on a public land hunt that uh, I'm pretty excited about too, just kind of learn from those guys as well. So that's today's podcast. Uh, it's getting closer for the time that I'm going to be leaving for New Mexico for a sheep hunt. I will be in the sheep mountains for two weeks during or August. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to gear up for that as well right now. But uh, also trying to get all my deer stuff done. I've been uh, scouting a lot of public land. 
I've got a lot of trail cams out and starting to get some pictures of some pretty good bucks. So I got some good episodes coming here in the next couple of weeks while I'm gone, um, getting those ready to go right now. So you guys will still have some content, but I do, before we get into this, I want to say first and foremost, thank you to everybody out there, everybody listening. And that does listen and supports the fall podcast and myself. Um, I can't thank you guys enough for everything you do. The the amount of uh, feedback I get is just I don't want to say overwhelming, but it's like uh, it's like a breath of fresh air kind of thing. It's just like constantly all day, every day. I love it. I love it. And that's just a lot of people dropping and saying, "Hey, I love your podcast and thank you mu- so much." And please keep spreading the word about it. And if you haven't, go to iTunes, leave a five star rating, and leave a written review because that is always helpful. And uh, I've, you know, to kind of switch gears a little bit, I'm putting a lot of you or a lot of content on my YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, and speaking of YouTube, I've got a giveaway going on right now with Helix Broadhead. So, launched it last week. If you guys want to get in, get entered for a giveaway with Helix Broadheads, go to the Fall Podcast YouTube channel, find the video that I do, uh, the the Broadhead review on the Helix Broadheads. Go in there. You got to be subscribed to the channel comment on that video, just say giveaway, write a little something in there and what broadhead you would want, like 100 grain, 125s, 200s, whatever. Um, A lot of comments so far. So a lot of people are getting entered, but you got to make sure you're subscribed as well. So do that. I've I've also got a Helix Broadheads code fall hx10 at checkout when you go to helixbroadheads.com and you want to order some do that so it's fall hx10 i'm gonna go right down the list here vector arrows a lot of people have been asking me about arrows lately vector arrows is what i'm shooting i'm gonna shoot the hmrs this year Uh, i've got a code for them and it's fall 10 go to vectorcustomshop.com fill out their arrow builder and they might say they're sold out right now maybe if you're listening to this like right now on tuesday but usually about every friday they go live and they'll have new batches of arrows so use fall 10 at checkout and a big one right now latitude is doing 25 percent off if you use the code the fall podcast 25 percent off until july 31st so it's going to be up sh- soon july 31st 2022 so that 25% off is all accessories, uh, classic two saddles, and, sad, and, and sat, starter saddle kits. So go in there and get your accessories and get that done. It's the fall podcast, all one word. And if the vector code is not working for you, use all lowercase because it's case sensitive. So definitely do that. And last... Uh, also is Exodus Trail Cam. So don't forget right now, we're in the middle of Velvet Fest. And if you're not familiar with Velvet Fest, it's the official start to deer season. And Exodus helps get the ball rolling for everyone's summer scouting. I know when Velvet Fest hits, it means it's time to get my cameras ready and deployed for this season. I've been out there getting, I've got so many cameras out right now, I feel like, and I just, I have a lot more to put out. So I'm behind the ball a little bit. Been very busy though. From July 15th, till August 19th. They'll have awesome prizes for people people who use the hashtag VelvetFest on social media showing their whitetail adventures. Also, if you're in the market for a trail cam, hashtag VelvetFest will be the perfect opportunity to get ready for the season. Exodus will be sending an exclusive savings through their email newsletter throughout the campaign. So make sure you are signed up for the newsletter. But to get things started, save 20% off on any multiple Exodus render or render bundles for the first 100 orders. 
Use the code VELVETFEST to lock in these awesome summer savings. Every single camera you order comes with a random prize card, and I've been told it includes some huge deals. Over the last seven years, Exodus has consistently shown they built quality gear that flat out works. And of course, the trail cams warranty period. Every single camera is backed by the five-year warranty and even comes with theft and damage coverage. Yes, five years, literally that is a half a decade covered by the Exodus Advantage warranty. But more than likely, you won't need it because their cameras are built like brick shithouses. They are. So be sure to take part in the Hashtag Velvet Fest celebration. Be sure to tag Hashtag Velvet, Velvet Fest because we want to see what you guys are up to this summer. So don't forget to do that. If you want to know more about their products, go to ExodusOutdoorGear.com. And yes, that is my long-winded of keeping the lights on in the studio and keeping the podcast rolling. But I do believe in these products. I've got, how many cameras? I've got four renders out right now on public land, and they are running flawlessly. They've been running for weeks now, taking pictures. I'm super pumped about it, narrowing in on some areas, and I've been scouting the piss out of everything. So, guys, thank you very much for all the support. I'm going to get over this interview with Alex Hopefully you guys enjoy this and thank you very much. All right. Welcome back to the fall podcast. And today I've got a familiar voice. You guys in podcast land, you would have just heard this voice. Uh, Alex Chop from Latitude Outdoors. He is flying solo today and for good reason because uh, he gets on some really big deer on some public land and uh, he had a hell of a, of a year in 2020, I guess that uh, I literally know nothing about this story and I want to know more because I dove into your guys's YouTube channel and I keep watching these hunt recaps that you guys put out and I see the pictures and everything on your website of this deer. And I'm like, where is this deer? I want to know more about this giant that you killed in Ohio. Correct. Yep. That was down in Ohio. I hesitate to share that, but yes. <laughs> Michigan, uh, New Hampshire, Maine. Michigan. Dude, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude, you, you, uh, that was a slammer and, um, I'll put the coordinates to that public land in the show notes. <laughs> I'll just send the link to my Onyx. Uh, there you go. Yep. In there. Yeah. So I guess before we get into the nitty gritty about it, um, you know, you probably, I don't know if you do a lot of podcasts when you don't talk about latitude, but I wanted to do one where we just, let's talk deer hunting. Um, I'm, we're getting to that point. It's in July now. And like, I'm super geeked out. Like I'm ready for fall to be here. Velvet is hitting right now. Deer starting to get bigger and I'm just ready. I don't know about you. Yeah. I mean, the season, the season couldn't come soon enough for us, you know, the, latitude stuff is busy so we're ready to get out in the woods and 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 to that point i'm thankful to be doing a podcast where we're not going to talk about saddles <laughs> so <laughs> so i'm excited to talk some hunting i mean that's i mean that's why we do the saddle thing so yeah it, it might get old every once in a while just like doing talking nothing but saddles and gear and equipment and stuff like that i would feel like it'd get old yeah i mean like i said all the gear is is for the the whole process of hunting and that's that's what i love to do so i'm i'm excited to talk about that today to be honest sweet well let's get into it um i guess let's start with uh like i said i know nothing about this deer so other than he's just big and uh you he would happen on public land so uh 
I guess let's start where how many years have you been traveling out of state and to states like Ohio to do public land trips? Is Was this like a first time deal or is this like, you know, I've been doing this year in and year out? Um, so the, the first time I went out of state ever was when I was in uh, college in Ann Arbor. Um, just on a whim, the season ended here in Michigan. Uh, and I just, I wasn't done sick of class. Yep. So, you know, January, February, you can still hunt in Ohio. So I just, I'm like, Shit, that sounds great. I'm going to drive down and just explore. Um, and I did more exploring than hunting. Right. I mean, I actually, uh, so in Ohio back then I was using paper maps and matching those with Google maps to get to where I was going. So <laughs> it was a very inefficient process compared to what we do today. Um, but that was kind of my first exposure to being out of state, totally new terrain. I was fascinated by the, the hills, right? I mean, it's so different down there mm-hmm. than what we're used to. Not all of my experience was in swamps, basically, up yep. until that point. Um, so I went down there. Uh, that was actually just one year. Um, and then uh, I had all my notes and stuff in a folder, actually, and I moved and I found the folder. And this was three years ago, right when we were starting Latitude, actually. Really? And that was the first trip back down there. Yeah, I went back to my handwritten notes on the paper maps. And then I transferred everything to Onyx, and then I kind of started all over. So Okay. Um, but did that give you a pretty good starting point, though? I mean, just throwing darts at the wall back then when you're in college it's like okay i got a place i can go let's start here yeah so i didn't shoot this deer on the same property that i had found success when i was in college actually that year when i went down there i um so i blew up my shoulder uh when i was in high school i played football blew up my shoulder and when i was in college i couldn't even pull back a bow so i was using a crossbow at the time and on that first trip down to Ohio, uh, one of the days, this was in January, it was pouring rain, the hardest rain. I mean, you couldn't even see further than 20 yards. And so I'm like, <laughs> I'm down here. And I just, so I started walking around in the pouring rain with my crossbow and I stumbled on just a giant bedded down. Like, oh God. I mean, it, it just, he was just a giant. And, um, <laughs> And it was funny because like in Michigan, we don't call really a lot. And um, Mm -hmm. at least I don't, I haven't had much success with that, but um, this deer was bedded down. Right. And I couldn't do anything. Like I, I wasn't going to be able to move in on them or whatever. I had my grunt tube and I'm like, might as well give this a shot. I started grunting at him and it piqued his interest. And then I snort wheezed at him and he stood up and he like stormed me. I, I mean, and this was early January, right? So it's wow, what the heck? And um, so I never, I, I never ended up getting a shot on that deer. But that was my first like out of state, like whoa, what's going on? So it was in that same general area that I went back down and started to target just re- recently, three years ago. So yeah, um, and you know that that's all it really takes for me to have like a little experience like that, like to be hooked like just a little glimmer of what it's different, what we, what we've been missing. Um, I don't know. That's I'm getting some feedback here real quick. Hang on. 
Yeah, new new to this uh, this new technology that they call Zoom. I guess <laughs> I haven't done many of these, so a little technical difficulty there. But uh, what I was what I was saying before that happened was, you know, all that little glimmer of hope. That's all you need to like know what we've been missing, or you know, we don't. In my instances, I don't get that here in Michigan. Like bedded giants, you know what I mean? Like you hit a snort wheeze and they're like on a march to you. It's like that, that's a, that's a world that we did not grow up with. <laughs> no, no. I think that, I mean, I think there are multiple factors, right? I mean, you've got a totally different hunting season structure down there, which is, I mean, that's crucial, right? I mean, they've yeah. got a what, seven day gun season and it's in December. I mean, so it's just a different structure. I mean, we've got what sixty days of gun hunting now here in Michigan. <laughs> it seems like it. <laughs> There's not I, even I, a muzzleloader season anymore. <laughs> it's guns, gun all the time. Which is, you know, I'm all for gun hunting, but it's just obviously the deer are going to take a bigger hit in that scenario. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the out of state stuff is cool, even you know more so than the opportunity. It's, you know a little better quality buck if that's what you're after, but um, just the exploration aspect. I mean, that's what I'm really addicted to. I mean, I struggle to focus on properties just because I just want to check new stuff out. I mean, that's what I love about it. So were you always that way or is that something that you're, you've been adopting, you know, as of recently? I've always been that way, but I think it's just because I was forced to be that way. Um, you know, I, I've actually never had any private land to hunt growing up or anything. Yeah. I mean, I was exposed my first exposure to hunting and that's like a generational thing. My dad, he never had any private land to hunt either. So I was exposed to hunting when I was, uh, seven years old. My dad started taking me to the UP to help him scout and set his stuff for that season. Um, so I think it's just been kind of ingrained in me, you know, I just, the, the, the looking for new spots is like a constant thing for me. And, yeah. And that's, and I think you're in this, uh, one of my buddies told me this, like last week, we had the same kind of discussion and he's like, you're a product of your own environment. Like for me, I come from the different end of the spectrum. I've always grown up with private land and I've never hunted public until this year. Like this will be my first year hunting public. I've never had to have, I've never have had to like it just, I always had 220 acres of private that I could do whatever I want. If I want to cut shooting lanes, I can do that. If I want to do screwing steps, I could do that. So this whole like exploration thing you talk about, this is the next thing that's biting me right square in the ass. Like I like in a good way, like I am so, um, I don't know what the best word is for it, but I am like, like geeking out about new terrain, new different trees to look at, basically just new opportunities is where I'm getting with it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a different, it's just a different game, right? Like people always, it seems like the conversation is always like, if you shoot a big buck on public, it's more impressive than if you shoot one on private, which I, I, don't totally agree with that. There's just different variables on public um, that you have to deal with. It's just a little bit different game in my opinion. Um, So, but it is fun. There is an added level of excitement because you just don't know. If you're managing a a private piece of your own or a lease or something, 
you usually know the deer that are on that property. Yeah. You usually know your little windows of when, when the areas are hot, right? You know how the deer are using the property on public that usually all goes away. Yep. <laughs> so, um, it's exciting. So do you use cameras at all when you're on public and everything? Like, do you rely on cameras or do you use them at all? I use, I do use cameras and, um, but I mainly use them for the people. Okay. Yeah. Just trying to figure out where they're are or where they aren't basically. Yeah. I mean, on, uh, on most of the public pieces I've hunted, there's a very distinct pattern of people movement. And, um, and that's that added variable, right? That lack of control over pressure that if you can figure out how to gain control of that pressure, which is just knowing where it is. Right. Yeah. Um, that's just something I've learned to be extremely important because if you don't know what's going on with the people, you got a problem. There's gotta be something cool about, um, uh, being able to go in different areas and just kind of the way, I guess the way I'm looking at it is, you know, this trip that we're all going on in October is a, as a place that, you know, Kevin's been there, but I don't, you haven't even been there. Right. So I've never been there. It's a ton of public ground that like, I'm just excited to get boots on the ground and just go walk around and figure out what I can find. Like that's exciting to me. Yeah. And it's helpful too, though, because what happens is, is as you start exploring more and more, you start to see patterns. Yep. Deer are setting. I mean, you hear like Dan Infault, right? He'd talk about it all the time. Like that guy has hunted so much public ground and messed around with so many different properties. He just know it's a pattern for him. And he just looks for the same scenario over and over again. And, um, it's like a formula, right? Yeah. And, um, and that is very, very real. So yep. eventually you can get to a point where you go into a big area that you've never been and you're going to be able to cross off a lot of the map and the property gets a lot smaller. And that's something that I'm not used to looking at yet. Cause I hear Dan talk about like when he's e-scouting, he's like, he'll put a big X over a section. I'm like, how are you doing that? If you've, you know, maybe never been in there, like I want to go see it. But it's like he, like you said, it's a formula. He's he's seen so much of it that he's like, I just know this is a waste of my time, you know. And that's to me, that's an elite level where if you can get there, like you're you're one really efficient, and two, you're just on a different level. Yeah, I mean, and I am nowhere near that, but I can tell you that that's what I work on every year is figuring out that formula for that terrain type, yep. and it's there's even little details, right? Like Dan has gone into so many properties and seen what they look like in person and then compared them to how they look on the map that he knows that when he sees that image on a map, that it looks like that in person, right? Cause that's one of the challenges is I can go on my phone and I can look at Nebraska and I'm like, that looks, that sets up, right. That sets yep. up, right. But I have no clue what the, the vegetation is and all that kind of stuff. I mean, Dan can pick out oak trees from a map, right? That's, like, that's crazy. Yeah. And it's, it just comes with experience and yep. that exploration is what supports that, honestly. So, yeah. Well, with that being said, let's get into this story. Um, I Let's start from ground zero. Like, <laughs> did you have any 
any different, any more intel on this deer that you got, you know, you were able to, to kill cats out of the bag, you killed them. But uh, did you have any prior knowledge to this deer before you were able to get an arrow in him? No, I had no idea he was there. So, so did you have any idea any other big deer were there? Oh yeah. I mean, um, the, so the first year I went back down there was the year prior to this. And, um, I, I actually didn't hunt this spot, but, um, I hunted a spot at the, the, the backside of the property. And on the first evening, I had a just gorgeous buck come out right at last light, all aggressive as all get out. And, uh, there was a big doe bedding area above me. You know, they started actually just, it was like they were jumping off a cliff. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> but, um, so we hunted it and very unsuccessfully that first year back down there. Um, but we learned a ton about where the deer were. And um, we go down there a little bit later in the rut. Uh, we usually avoid the people, um, but those bigger bucks start to get desperate for does later in the year. The, the hunts are tougher. They're yep. long days with little action. Um, but if you can figure out those doe bedding areas, I mean, and you sit there long enough, something's going to, going to come your way. What, what, so later in the rut, like, tell me, when do you guys target that? Like, what time is that? Do you say seven to 10 days, you know, November 15th, our gun season on, or where do you target? Yeah. I mean, usually when, um, gun season starts here in Michigan, that's when we, we head out. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times it's Ohio cause it's an easy trip down there. Right. But, um, you know, that's when we are like, okay, let's go explore. So, yep. And are you sitting all day in those sits? Like, is it like an all day deal or is it a morning evening? I am, but not in the same spot. Um, Moving around. Are you? Yeah. So, um, I'm a big believer in, and this is just based on observation. You know, I'm a big believer in being in the bottom early, early in the morning for like the, only the first hour really and then moving up high and then dropping back down in the evening. Okay. Playing in the thermals. Hills. Yeah. I mean, I just, uh, I don't know the perfect solution. I mean, the Hills are tricky, right. Um, and I'm still learning them, but I have had, in fact, the day before I shot that buck, I missed another buck on oh, the boy. other side, on the other side of the property. Um, he wasn't as big though. So I'm thankful I missed him, <laughs> uh, but I was on like the lower, lower one third of the hill that morning trying to catch something coming up the point well he was walking past the point that i was sitting on i thought he would curl up and come up that way but since i was so high up you know just because of the elevation i mean i was like 50 feet above the deer so oh, yeah I, so yeah i shot right over him I was like, the plot so, thickens <laughs> yeah i know i know as so i picked up my stuff and um went about my business but um so anyway, well, let's get into that, that whole trip. Like, how did it start out? Um, when did you go down there that year? And let's get into day by day here and, and how you broke this piece of ground down. So it's, it's hill country in Ohio. That's, you know, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's where I killed my buck, not in that same area, but like hill country. Yeah. I just, I think of like Jake Bush is when I was doing 
like he's in those big aggressive hills and everything. And um, it's tricky. I am a greenhorn when it comes to that kind of hill country stuff. And um, when I was down there last year with my buck, I learned a lot in just 24 hours. So um, I want to, I'm anxious to hear more about your trip. So let's start there. Like when did you head down there and let's, let's go day by day here. Um, so we, we went down there on November 16th, left in the morning um, and went right out to the woods that first evening. Yep. And um, that evening I went back to that spot that I hunted the year prior where I saw the bucks and the does jumping off the cliff, right? Um, I went right back down there. There's a huge community scrape down there. Um, so I jumped right back in there and, uh, you know, just perfectly right at that last light with the thermals, a really nice buck dropped right down in, into the zone. I was just, I was off by about 75 yards. Okay. So, um, so as soon as I saw that, right, I'm like, this, I'm going to, this is where I'm going to be. Like, I know that if he's here, there's got to be some does in the area that are probably hot at that time of the year. There was a bunch of sun, all, everything was torn up, fresh, torn up, walking in. I was going to um, say, is there any sign, like what kind of signs laid down? A lot of scrapes, a lot of rubs, like what, what are you looking at? Well, at that time of the year, there's nothing that's, well, I shouldn't say that. So there were some fresh rubs, more like aggression rubs, right? Territorial rubs um, that were fresh, you know, brush just thrashed up and yep. everything like that. Um, but the scrapes for the most part were dried up. You know, at that time of the year, I think they start to actually come back to scrapes, kind of like they would do late October. Um, so that is something we target that time of the year is big community scrapes. And that's yep. where we ended up shooting the deer. But I like that. I, I like that that transition back around like you just talked about, like leading into November, the last week of October is like my ultimate favorite time, because I feel like it's. If, if there's any, obviously everybody knows that's when the biggest deer are on their feet in daylight the most, but I feel like it's a time where you can really pin down a deer, um, before he gets real stupid. And like you said, after about two weeks, that period, I think comes back around to where they're going to, their body's telling them they need to replenish a little bit. I mean, they've been running every day for two weeks and losing a lot of you know, energy and nutrients, stuff like that. They need to settle down a little bit. They might hit a food source in daylight a little bit more and, or hit scrapes. So I totally agree with you on that one. Yeah. So that later time frame, it's an interesting time to be in the woods too, especially on public, right? Because you've had the big shakeup of rut hunters, you know, the woods is busiest those first two weeks of November usually. So you're getting bucks pushed all over the place. And um, so it's almost, I kind of viewed as a little bit of a reset a little bit, which is yeah. exciting, um, but they're just desperate. They're running out of does and they're looking for more. Yep. So after that first day, you saw this good buck, how big was he this first day, first night? I mean, he was probably a 150. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. You're a real good. So, deal oh, he was a great deer. I mean, well, for me, he's, he's, huge i mean that's that's great if i can shoot a 150 i mean i'm <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> i'm excited as all get out right yeah. um, i'm happy to even see a 150 I, that's exciting to me but um 
so he was a, a really good deer. And um, so I went back to camp. Everybody was there at that point. I, I think I was the only one who made it down there early to hunt that evening. We went down with a group of probably 10 guys, actually. Um, and, you know, we just kind of reset. We had obviously, I had all my spots picked out before I went down. So I knew I had kind of a game plan put together. Um, so, you know, we're hanging out and we get up the next morning. And since I saw that buck, I decided the next morning I'd try and go catch him coming back up to bed. Cause I figured he was hanging out in that area. And, um, the wind totally shifted. I had a really rough entry getting in there. I mean, it is a, it's over a mile hike and it's just, it's nasty. And in the dark, it's just, it's tough. It was probably a stupid move, honestly, but, um, I, I was going to say, but, are you, are you a guy that gets in in the dark or wait for gray light to get in, in the mornings? I'm usually a guy that gets in the, in the dark, but I'm kind of rethinking that after yeah. these last couple of years. Um, but I'm just, that's burned into my brain, right? Being mm -hmm. a Michigan guy, like yep. gotta be there early. So Yep, definitely. Um, but I did, I went back in there to try and catch him coming back up. And uh, all I saw were some does that morning, which was a good thing, right? That I saw them because they showed me exactly where they were going up to bed. And that's important. You know, seeing oh, does yeah. is impo really important to me during that time. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I hunted down there for a little while. I got out of my stand and I just started hiking. It's hard without a map, but I just started uh, kind of hiking the ridge top, looking for sign. Um, and then I got to this, this point on, on the North end of the property where I started to find some, some beds and some more sign. And that's the point I ended up sitting, uh, that following morning where I missed that buck. Okay. Before. So, um, so I just, right. I just stumbled into that, that little area and was like, what, this is where I'm going to sit in the morning. Uh, what, what did you do that evening then after that morning hunt? And you were walking around. Did you you sit there again in the evening? I I just scouted. Okay, you just whole, scouted. Gotcha. I I just scouted the whole rest of the day. Um, yep. And uh, so I said, okay, well, I'm going to sit there tomorrow morning. I went back, hung out at camp, and ate, rested, yep. and um, and then went back out in the morning. Uh, had another treacherous entry, <laughs> <laughs> but um. But anyway, I got set up and everything was fine. Cause I mean, most of the time I'm going in blind. I don't have a tree and I actually, I love that. It's exciting as heck, but um, man, it's rough sometimes just yeah. in the dark. And, but uh, I love the element of surprise on these deer. So I do it a lot. It's fun. So, okay. Before, before we get into it, like what did you, when you found these beds in these, you said there's some scrapes there, right. And like, there's some laid down sign you were on a point. So what, I, what I'm kind of picturing is a hill coming down and you're on like the end of this point, right? Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. Towards okay. So, okay. So you're, cl you're close to the bottom of the hill then you're down low. When I was hunting or scouting. When you were, when you, when you were hunting, like when you found yeah. the area you, you wanted to be, did you set right up on those beds and the sign that you found? When I was scouting, I was up higher and ran into the beds. Okay. And they were, in my eyes, obvious doe beds, just they were smaller and all grouped together and they were fresh. So 
that's when I saw the beds, I immediately just said, okay, well, I'm going to hunt below these beds in the morning, trying to catch a buck coming up to those beds, or at least checking those, those beds to see if there's a doe there. Okay. So that's, that's perfect. Cause that's what I was trying to get into. What made you go to the bottom? Like, what was your thought process? Did you think the buck would be in the bottom in the morning and you're just intercepting them? Or was there like a train feature that was like, this is where I need to be? Well, in the mornings, you usually have thermals dropping and this was actually a north facing slope. So you actually have thermals dropping pretty much all the time. Yep. Um, but in general, I hunt down low in the morning just because I know that a buck is probably going to be coming in the bottom to check the does above because the does are bedded up high and that scent's going to be dropping down to them early in the morning. So I yep. just... I target those bottoms early in the morning. Okay. Perfect. That's what I was getting at. So run me through that morning. It was a hell of a walk in where you get to the tree. You got to find a tree, right? You didn't even. So I do want to say when you scouted and found those beds, you didn't even go any farther down. You were just like this. I found my area. I don't want to, was your thought process? Like, I don't want to go down there and screw anything up tonight. Cause I know in the morning, I'm just going to come in here. And like you said, element of surprise, surprise the shit out of them. Is that, was that your plan? Uh, well, the main reason I didn't go down there because it was so damn far and so oh. damn steep <laughs> and through a bunch of nasty green briar. I'm like, but in my, that, that's all I needed to see, right? Because like, yeah. I'm just, during that time of year, I'm just looking for does. I'm just looking for does. And then I'm thinking about how is a buck going to most efficiently check for those does. Mm -hmm. So if you imagine a big ridge system that's surrounded by a, a creek bottom, they can literally just go in a circle in the early morning. They can just circle that whole ridge system and check all the ridge tops above them. So they can figure out exactly what deer or predators are up above them. Yeah. Easy. With that being said though, like that's, how do you play in the fact of like your scent going to the bottom as well? That's got to be a fine line there, I would think. Like, how do you how do you set up to where you know when that deer does maybe come down one of you, you have an arrow in them already? I think that that's exactly what it is, right? I mean, if you're setting up, you, if you're setting up above them and the thermals are dropping, you got to be ready to shoot them right when he gets down yep. there. The the hard part is, and um, the hard part is, is the interaction between the wind and the thermals. Right. And um, that's a huge rabbit hole that I won't go down, but <laughs> I, I always play around with my milkweed, right. When I'm down there and um, it's squirrely, like, it's not like my scent is straight dropping down the hill. So you can find little pockets in there where they're, they're not going to scent you. This deer didn't smell me. And he, I shot him directly below me. He didn't smell. Really? Me. So yeah. your, so your, your wind and your thermals must've been doing some funky things then. Yeah. 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 And, wow. um, so, but then, you know, it's hard to describe. This was kind of a bowl shaped, uh, uh, terrain feature right here. So I was on one side of it and he came on the far side of the point. So, you know, my thermals might've been dropping opposite if he's over here coming around this point, I was on this side of the point. Right? Okay. So I think my thermals, at least that was the idea, right? My thermals right. would be dropping off that opposite side and, and missing. Um, it was a dead calm morning. Um, so 
anyway, I mean, so when he showed up, I mean, this was a big deer and he, you thought he was going to work around, right? Did he end up working around far enough for you to, to, to get a look at him and get a, get an opportunity? Yeah. I mean, he came in perfect. The problem is, is that he never curled up the point. Mm. So he stayed in the bottom. So my, that was my issue is I was so high. I was way too high above him. You know, like I said, I was probably 50, 60 feet above him and yep. I did take a shot at him, but I missed high. Um, yep. So come to find out after that hunt, I walked over to the next point over and there were even more doe beds over there. Really? So yeah. Yeah. So he, you know, who knows, maybe he was headed over there. I could go on and on. I scouted more and more and more as last year at the same spot than the year before. So I've learned more since then. So in an instance, when this happens like this, you miss this deer or let's say you didn't even get an opportunity, but you've seen him, but you missed him. So it's like, you know, me being us from a, a very high pressured state, I would be like really hesitant to go back in there. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, Oh, I, I buggered it all up. He's in two counties over. What was your thought process there? Was it like, I, I need to tweak a little bit here, but I got something here. Were you, were you going to ride the hole? I, I wasn't going to hunt that spot again. I wasn't going to hunt that point again. Um, but I certainly wasn't like, you know, I was confident he was in the area. I mean, especially with all the, the, the fresh doe bedding I was seeing. I mean, they, if it wasn't him, there was going to be another buck there. Right. Um, in, in part of that decision too, right. Is like, I, I kind of had a schedule of spots that I wanted to hunt just based on how the terrain set up and what we saw the previous year. Um, so I knew that I was hunting a specific edge of the property so that I could in theory, right. Push those deer to this other spot that seemed to set up a lot better. There's a lot better access and everything. Okay. So that was like the goal. Yeah. You know? Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to hunt that point again after, after doing that, especially I walked all over the doe beds and, and everything, the wind shifted too, right. This was, this set up perfect in, in my mind, at least for a South wind after that, later that day, it started to shift Southwest and then to a straight West wind. So, okay. Yeah. So that definitely is going to probably change your plans right off the rip, just like, Hey, I got to find a different spot could based on the wind. So like you missed this deer, you scout around a little bit. Um, what was your game plan for that evening? Uh, and then that evening, and you know what? I actually misspoke because that evening, I'm trying to remember now that evening, I might've shot that deer that evening. I think I actually shot that deer that evening. Really? Because I came out of there. It was either that evening or the evening after. Sorry. I'm oh, you're fine. A lot since then. You're but, fine. Um, Everything meshes together for me too. Either way, the hunt, if there was a hunt in between the two, it was not very memorable. <laughs> not eventful. So, so um, but I, I actually, I think I might've shot that deer that evening because um, I remember now I walked out, there's an old, um, an old like logging road, right? And I, I parked at one end of the road to walk up to this point. And I remember I walked out and I got out of there really late after that hunt. I sat 
I sat after I shot that buck for a while. And then I actually moved up top over the doe beds after I shot that buck. So I sat there until like one o'clock. Okay. So you missed and then you went to the top maybe to catch another cruiser sat on there and then was like, I'm going to get down. Yeah. So like that, after that midday shift, I usually go until like two or two 30, depending on where I'm trying to get to for the evening. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I did that and then I, I walked out and checked that other point. Right. And then walked back down to my truck. And okay. then, um, and then, so, and I think this is a crucial part of the reason that I ended up shooting this deer and, um, what evening it was is totally irrelevant. Uh, I got back to the truck late. We're talking probably three o'clock. I was starving. I ate something super fast. And then I drove down the road to this other, this other draw system that I, that was the real, like, I was like, man, that sets up so nice. Like that's the spot I was excited to hunt. And, um, but I didn't get into that spot and set up until I only had 45 minutes until sunset. So I was, in fact, when I was setting up, I had a doe blow bust me when I was setting up my tree. So did you have any idea what tree you were going to go to, or did you just no. know the area? You just had to get in there and figure it out when you got in there. Yeah, I knew what, I knew exactly where I wanted to go. There were two, there was a big main draw and then a secondary draw that came into it. And I wanted to be right at the bottom there where those two draws came together. And I was, as I was walking in there, there was, you know, just big, big scrape after big scrape, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, you start drooling when you see that in the bottoms. Um, and uh, I'd never been in there. So I'm looking up top and I'm seeing like all this beautiful autumn olive covering the, the you know, the right side of the hill and everything. I'm like, man, this looks so good. And um, of course, I'm getting set up late, get busted by a dome. I'm like, <laughs> everything's so perfect. It's like a yeah. perfectly still evening. Yep. It's cold, like the thermals are so strong this evening that I, that I, it was like a wind blowing. You could feel it like a wind, yep. which, um, which is something that's always exciting to me. Cause then, you know, you know, you're set up right. Um, yeah. How high were you up on this hill? Like were these two hills met or these two ridges? Bottom, I, you're in the bottom. I was in the bottom of the bottom of the draw. Really? As low as I could be. Yep. And you said in the evenings you you'd prefer up top, right? No, evenings I'm back down low. Oh, okay. Mornings you're high. Okay, I had that I, mixed up. Yeah. No. So early in the morning I'm down low. Midday move up high, and then back down low for the evening. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Now I follow. I think that I think during that time of year during the rut, the bucks are doing the same thing early in the morning that they're doing in the evening which is getting below those doe bedding areas and scent checking above them. Or think of like an oak flat, right? There's a big oak flat too that's at this spot and all Mm. the does just load up on there. And those bucks drop below there when the thermals are dumping off of it to to check those does. Yep, I gotcha. At least that's what I've observed at this spot, right? Yep. Um, So anyway, it's late, this doe's blowing at me and she's one of those does that just won't get the hell out of there. Like she's just really trying to ruin my hunt. Pissing you, know? you off. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm like, yeah, I'm here. Just get gold. 
And <laughs> so, you know, I'm like kicking myself and all of a sudden I have the core of my eye working down the hill. I see this buck. It's like 130 inch. I would have shot it for sure. Oh, nice you buck. and me both. <laughs> really nice buck. I'm like, what the hell? And, um, you know, so it's possible that the bucks are that desperate at that time. And I've heard other guys talk about this. Um, they'll come into the doe blowing because they're like, well, I don't know what it's blowing. I know where she's there's at. A <laughs> but there's a doe there. So, um, so I don't know, but it was like almost instant, instantaneous, right? This doe was blowing and then the buck dropped off of that bedding. And there's two really distinct bedding points up on that other opposite draw, which is why I was in there. Um, so, uh, so that was the smaller buck, right? And then we're getting to closing time. He moved off through the autumn olive below the Oak flat. And, um, and then just, I mean, it was like, it was just, I got lucky. Right. And it was just all perfect. And, um, you know, it's getting dark and all of a sudden I see this, the buck I shot just working his way down the hill, get to the bottom of the draw, start working his way down the draw to get below that bedding and that Oak flat through those community scrapes. Um, I mean, read the playbook perfectly. So I got lucky. So when he worked down, you were, what did he come from where that first buck came from? Same general area. Yep. Yeah. So, um, and he just peeled off to go load just to set check that whole Valley basically. Right. That's what I would assume. Um, I mean, I've seen so many bucks do this. I mean, I've seen a lot of bucks do this. Um, just dropping below doe bedding. And I, I've seen it a lot in Wisconsin, even more than Ohio. Um, but we talk about those patterns, right? That's the biggest pattern that I've figured out so far. Is really? That, oh man, they, I, I've just, I've seen it like clockwork so many times. Yeah. So it's so, tough to set up on. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a couple indicators that I'm picking up on that you, that you just hit on was, community scrapes in the bottom. So if I'm, if I'm scouting a bottom and if I find some community scrapes, some good scrapes, I'm going to start looking above at some bedding points. Like if there's a bedding point up there, there's a carbon copy of like, okay, I need to be right here when the thermals are doing X for him to, you know, he's probably going to be looping this bottom. I mean, right there is a formula like you talked about early on. That's like a plus B equals big buck, right? <laughs> Yeah. A buck of some kind. Yeah. The, no. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're exactly right. Like I target that, right. I target uh, draws that have bedding points up above and doe bedding. And then if you add an Oak flat above that doe bedding, cause oh. doe bedding is usually on side Hill. Right. And then at the very top, you get a lot of open Oak flats. And, um, and then if you add in some community scrapes in there, I mean, it's, it's money. The problem is, is getting in there, right? Like I kind of mentioned that I think the key to that hunt was the fact that I was so late getting in there because uh, a lot of these like really good guys, right? They target bulls and uh, you know, the, the turkey foot draws, right? And the reason for that is, is just because of the swirly winds, you know, you can't right. get in there. Um, but if you go in late enough and you have a calm day and those thermals were blowing, they were coming down so hard off that hill that that buck, I mean, he just, he didn't, 
didn't catch me because he lost his his scent. So, so tell me about impact. So this deer's working in. How close did he get before you were able to get an arrow in him? Yeah. So he was. Um, I mean, he he came in textbook. He's at twenty five yards and mm. coming right down the pipe. Um, I couldn't stop him though. I mean, he was just on a mission. Like he, yep. I was yelling. I was yelling at him in the tree. He didn't care. He didn't even. <laughs> He didn't, he didn't even look at me. <laughs> so, uh, obviously I took the shot and, um, yep. it was back a little bit. Um, and he went off crashed. You know, I thought I smoked him. Like I felt really good about the shot, just the way he took off and everything. He ran through like a wall of logs and crap, you know, stuff they would never just blow through. And then he gets to the back side of that and he's in this like, little grassy opening and he just stops like nothing happened i'm like arrow go right through him well yeah so anyway so i'll, I'll get to that okay and he's like okay. so he's standing in this grassy feel he's, he's probably 70 yards away i have no idea and um i'm like well i know i hit him hard so i knocked another arrow and shot at him and um i've no never found that arrow no clue if i hit him but you know, I shot and he took off. I'm like, what the hell? I thought I yeah. smoked him. And um, obviously I'm pumped up. I immediately got out of the tree and went and looked for my arrow. I thought it'd be laying there just drenched in blood. And um, I can't find my arrow. I can't find any blood. There's mm -hmm. not even a, there's not even a speck. The only thing I found was some hair. Oh boy. Oh it was probably God. white, wasn't it? <laughs> there, there was some white in it. And I'm like, what in the hell just happened? Um, and so I'm looking around and I walk up to that big brushy pile that he ran through and I found my arrow and um, there was some blood on it, but like it did, it was not good. It was not good blood. And there was some fat on it. And I'm like, what the hell? How'd I screw that up? and um no blood so i get my stuff i didn't even take i was so excited right i didn't even take my stuff out of the tree i just got yep. down so i go back to the tree i get my stuff and i start walking out i'm like kind of defeated I'm like, you know i'm looking at blood right off i'd be pissed <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm like well i just well because keep in mind this is the year that i so i earlier that year i shot that wisconsin deer and we tracked him we lost we lost him on private yep um i, I guess i shouldn't so, say pissed but defeated like or confused like no i was going myself yeah i mean I, I was just i felt good about the shot other than the fact that he was walking which right obviously that's not great but um i still felt good about the shot i mean it was 25 yards it, it was just a perfect setup but um as i'm walking out I knew exactly where he was standing, right? So I'm like, there's going to be blood right here. And if there's not, I'd probably want something weird happen. And so I'm walking out to my truck, and all of a sudden I see a little bit of blood. And I'm like, oh, shit. All right. And the blood trail starts to get a little better and a little better and a little better. And I get to this, there's a little creek, and you cross the creek, and then the road is up top there. When I got to the creek, the blood trail took a 90 degree right down the creek. And at that night, at that turn in my head, I'm like, you know what? I'm, 
I'm calling it a night. I'm going to go back. I'm going to just wait till the morning, let them sit. Um, so I brought the arrow back and, you know, the whole, all the guys are there. I'm showing them and I got it. I had it on video. So like we could kind of see where I hit them and we thought it looked fine. Why isn't this video surfaced then? Well, it, so it's on, uh, it's in that one on YouTube. Oh, it is. Okay. I must not have put two and two together then. Well, it's a terrible video, but it is there. (laughs) Yeah. It was the first year I've ever filmed a hunt. Okay. So, um, so anyone listening out there, like, don't rush to go watch it. It's not very exciting, (laughs) but you do see the deer and, um, but anyway, we went back in the next morning and it was, we went right to where he turned up the Creek and it was just blood, 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 blood deer. I mean, it was no problem. And um, really, I ended up hitting him a little bit, a little bit back. Um, but it went all the way through him and, you know, even it kind of angled back, right. And, and went clean pass through and everything and blew up his back leg and and he was dead 150 yards away so dude unreal unreal on a giant how big is he what did he tape out at? we 166 oh um, my gosh dude but he's missing so i so this sidebar of the story this past year our buddy was down there and he met the neighbor the guy who owns the private that butts up to this okay and he had a trail he had a trail cam picture of him so I have trail cam pictures of him right before I shot him. Oh, really? Like and, that uh, day? Uh, a few or, days before. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And um, actually, I could probably pull those up. But um, but so he's actually missing probably 16 inches. Uh, Dude. Broken off. You, you're a humble 166, he says. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he, um, I mean, he's a big deer for sure. I think, oh, here he is. He's your background. <laughs> I got oh, it. yeah. He, he was my background. for. Can you get, I don't know if you can. Yeah. You might have to send those to me so I can put this up. If you, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you can see he's broken. He's broken off. Actually, he's right behind me. Yeah. He's got this Jeep right here. He's broken off there and yep. broke his brow time. But so. That's nuts, dude. Anyway, yeah, that was, yeah, that was a really fun that was a fun year for sure. Yeah. What, um, what did that deer teach you? Like, what was the biggest teaching moment you got out of that? It could be anything. Um, well, I shouldn't I say guess, that deer or that, you know, just that scenario, that hunt, what did that teach you? Um, well, I, I think there's two main takeaways and this is something that I still use to this day. One, the, the, the thermal, if you're going to be in the bottom, right, hunting a bull or the turkey foot um, draws, you got to be careful when you're, you got to be careful with your timing and specific with your timing on when you go in there. Because I've hunted a lot of them since then, and I've screwed up a lot of them because I think I'm going in there too early. And the bucks, I know the bucks are there. I mean, right. they're there. And, uh, but I think they know that I'm there because I'm getting in too early. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is just thinking about how those bucks are searching for does during that time of year, especially and late October, because they're doing the same. I'm convinced they're doing the same thing. Right. Yeah. I'd um, agree with you on that. Yeah. I mean, I think they, they want to search for does in the most efficient way they possibly can probably more so late November though, because they're physically beaten down. So I think it's uh, an even more important point 
later in the year. So, yeah, that's cool. And that's, um, that's unique. That's something I try to do with every, every scenario I have that's significant in a way, whether I kill a deer or I get close to a deer is like, what, what's the takeaway from here? What can I learn? Why did he do this? Why did he not do that? Like, um, and I think that's just made me grow as a deer hunter in general immensely, you know, and I kind of alluded to like public land this year, like I'm excited about getting into different terrain. I'm actually going up in a couple of days to put out some cameras. Um, I have yet to be to this public since uh, I scouted in the spring. So there's some good rut sign in the spring and then just putting some cameras on scrapes and letting them marinate. So um, we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited to get into something different though. And like the swamp thing, like you guys hunt a lot of swamps. Um, I've not really hunted like cattail swamps at all. So I'm, I'm learning this as well. So it's like going to dive in full force here. Yeah. I mean, I, um, to be honest, I don't even know what the swamp is like. I've never seen it up there. Uh, the way Kev describes it is it's a little bit different than it's not necessarily a cattail swamp. It's kind of that Northern Michigan, almost cedar esque swamp that you might get yep. in UP actually. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting up there. I mean, I hope I see it. I want to see an elk. <laughs> That's what I'm. <laughs> <laughs> we have a good opportunity to see an elk cause they're all over up there. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be fun. It again, a new, uh, a new place to explore. I'm sure yep. somebody will get on something. Yeah, Dan will be there. So if he can't get on anything, we don't have to feel bad. <laughs> yeah. If Dan doesn't get on something, then I'm not going to feel one bit bad. But if I shoot a 160, I'd be excited with that. <laughs> oh yeah. Gosh. Yeah. You'd, uh, you'd be put in the bow hunting hall of fame if you yeah. lock into one up there on the first shot. I'd be put in the same category as Mitch Rampola at that point, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah people would think it's fake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah. Well, good deal, man. I, you know, I uh I want to dive into so many other things. Like the thermal thing, I am trying to learn. Like I I'm I'm going back and to listen to some of Dan's podcasts on the Hunting Be- Beast podcast when he did him and Mario did all that stuff. And I'm like, I literally I feel like I do 15 seconds back, 50 on my phone. It's like go back, back, back. What did he say again? Listen. And then back, back, back. It's like, I, for some reason, my mind cannot grasp it. I don't know why. Is there a way when you started learning them or you are learning them an easier way for you to consume and like retain and remember these thermal, because every scenario is different. Every terrain is different. Like what is some, maybe, is there any easier ways to retain it and remember it? I don't know. I mean, I think the easiest way to think about it in a very general sense is if, if things are cooling down around you, the thermals are going to be dropping. So usually that's in the early morning, right? Or in the evening as the sun goes down, the air is cooling down around you. It's getting denser and it's dropping. And then as the air cool or, or warms up, sorry, as the air warms up, that air is going to start to rise. Yep. So, um, now I say that all that, just like you said, it's just not very exact. Like this Pat, I can think of this very specific scenario. I was sitting in my tree and it was thermal should have been rising like crazy around me. And I rattled in this buck and this was at the spot in Ohio and I rattled in this deer 
And I'm like, oh man, I'm good. Like my thermals have to be just rising like crazy right now. Perfect bluebird, sunny day. It's warm. I'm in a, I was in a long sleeve t-shirt out there. And um, he came and he curled around. He dropped down into this thermal hub below me, busted me. I'm like, what the hell? What the hell? What is that? The thermal gods? What, what was that? Right. And I started throwing milkweed and my thermals were dropping. So it's like, it's not an exact thing. And that's where the whole experience comes into play because that wind interacts with the thermals and it does all this crazy stuff. And um, so, I, I mean, I tested all, I tested on every hunt that I do. And when you're out there, how much milkweed are you throwing in a given sit? Not that much. Okay. Cause yeah. I find myself going like this, like all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to try I'll, to figure out where it's going. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'll test it at certain points just as like, I can feel the temperature changing or things like that. Or when I first get out there, but um, like, I just, I have a lot of, I don't know if it's just me, but there's a lot of variation in what the thermals and wind are doing when I'm hunting, which is, is probably why I see a lot of big deer, but I also get busted a lot. Like I'll be I the first you. to admit that. And so, you know, one of the things, you know, I'm getting better at the strategy side of things, but I need to get a lot better at the execution side because I see a lot of deer. Right. And um, that's kind of the progression of any bow hunter. Um, you know, Dan, he, he obviously has a strategy down, but he's a pro at the execution side of yeah. things. And, yeah. And that's and that comes with experience. Yeah. 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 I mean, so yeah, everything's I, a process. It definitely is. And it's, it's, it's all about your, you know, you talk about the process. I'm actually going to put out a video on YouTube tonight. Um, actually talking about why I switch or I'm going back to a saddle. And there's a couple points in there and literally there's no rocket science behind it, but I talk about, um, a system and a strategy or not a strategy, but like having, um, a routine, I want to get back to efficiency, minimalist, um, lightweight and concealment is like my big bugaboos this year. Like I want to get back to a system to where it's like, I want to like put it, I want to, I want to screw this broadhead on and forget it. I know it's going to work. I know. So I don't have to think about that anymore. I feel like so many times I get scatterbrained and I'm not thinking about the task at hand. So honestly, in a lot of ways, I'm getting back to just simplifying things. And to me, a saddle is simplifying it. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like that's like everything that comes with that. It's simple. Uh, it's, and when I did it before, saddle hunter before, I think I just made it too hard on myself. Um, but you look back at 11, 10, 11 years ago, there was the gear that we have now, there wasn't gear out there like that, you know? Yeah. So to go back to your kind of your system and, and stuff like that, it's like all about in every aspect of my hunting, what I'm trying to do, that's what I'm trying to do is simplify it and get a system down long way. Right winded way of saying that i totally agree with you i mean that's i think that goes for your gear and it also goes for your hunting strategy right it, it all goes for me it's like that formula i try to make that formula as simple as possible so that i can have as many of those scenarios 
picked out yeah. and ready to go throughout a season so that I never have to hunt the same spot twice. Yep. And that goes back to simplicity, right? Because if you're going to get that volume of, of spots or good scenarios that you want to spend time in during the season, it's got to be simple and repeatable. And so, and that goes with your gear too. So I, I yeah. totally agree with that. Do you find yourself a lot, like you talked about in in this instance, and I know it can be, I know it can be very uh, situational dependent, but when you hunt in the morning, do you find yourself scouting midday most of the time? Like a lot, like if you're out in the woods, you're out there basically all day. Um, it, it depends. I think it depends if I feel, if I'm in a scenario where I feel good about my plan, I'll get out of there. And, um, this is going <laughs> to, I'm like mad at myself that I'm about to say this, but like, like rest is becoming more important lately on these Dude, trips. I'm right there with you though. Like, cause I mean, I used to be able to just go and go and go and never stop. But, um, I just, I think being well-rested, you can get more done and it's just, you're more efficient out there. You're more alert, you're thinking better. I mean, I, sometimes I'm sitting in the stand, I'm just like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm gonna, I feel terrible. So yeah. it just depends if I need to make a move and I need to make something happen, I'm scouting. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't scout near enough. These guys who are really good and get it done all the time, they're scouting way more than they're hunting. Yeah. So, um, I guess put it this way, I should be scouting midday more, but it doesn't always happen. Do you feel bad when you're not out there hunting? Cause I do <laughs> like, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to take a sit off. Like when you talked about, I scouted all day and I didn't hunt that night. I would, yeah. I'd have been beating myself up that I didn't do that. Even though that scouting mission probably had to happen and you probably got a lot of valuable information out of it. Yeah. Yes. I feel, I feel exactly what you're talking about. I, I hate not sitting and that's why I don't scout enough. These other guys, they know that they need to be scouting, right? Because it's more efficient. So I'm honestly, I'm trying to hunt less. That, that's something I'm actively working on. Right. And just because I just, I see the difference in efficiency and some of these spots that I've spent hours sitting in the tree are totally worthless. And I just wasted time. I should have yep. been finding a new spot. Right. Um, yep. So I feel exactly the same way that you do. Like, why am I not who, you know, the buck might walk by right now, but um, I'm working on it. Cause I know your times, a lot of the time, your time is better spent scouting. Yeah. And I found this out, uh, the hard way, I feel like, because before I started working and doing what I, when I, what I do for a day job, um, I hunted every day, like every day, but I didn't have any obligate or like, I didn't have any like other people to worry about. Really. I had a girlfriend and no kids and <laughs> she's now my wife and now we have a kid, but things have changed a lot, but you know, being gone for a month at a time filming, I'm filming, I'm not hunting. Like, yeah. So by design, I was, I was only hunting eight to 10 sits a year, but I still couldn't scout because I wasn't home. But at the time I was like, this sucks. Like I want to be hunting, you know, but I'd come home and I'd be successful. And it was like, at the time I didn't realize it, but looking back on it now, it's like, this was more efficient. Like I was keeping my stinky ass out of the woods and not yeah. screwing things up. 
and being more strategical about it when I didn't know I was, you know? So I, I totally really get what you're saying. Like, in, and when I say I want to hunt less, I don't mean, I mean, if it were my choice, I would leave for two months and just, I would, I wouldn't be actively hunting the whole time, but I would be scouting and I'd be shooting my bow and I'd be doing all that stuff to, to prep for that moment when the buck drops off that point. Right. Um, but you bring up an, a, another really good point that, that I've learned over the last 15 years, right? It's like, you have to pick your days. There are some days in certain areas, once you learn them, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And so yeah. you end up doing more damage than good. And, um, learning when those days are for a specific area that takes time. I yep. Mean. Yep. So, um, but that's exactly what I'm working on. Like I got this, I hunt this swamp here in Michigan and I hunt it hard. I've hunted it really hard for the last five years, all, all phases of the year. And, um, I finally figured out that there are really only three days that I should be in that swamp the entire season, three days. Really? And during those three days, it's absolute chaos and it is amazing. But the rest of the year, I'm just, I'm pushing deer around and that's mm-hmm. it. Yep. So another thing I'm working on is figuring out those windows. Cause I think that exists. That's a huge part of this. It's a huge part of the formula, right? Mm-hmm. When are those two or three hot days? Yep. And it helps with the home life too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Being home a little bit more and the the two days you want to go hunting in the weekend or something like that or go up north to hunt is like not as hard i yeah. in my experience so yeah yeah and like it's interesting because those windows they seem to be independent of the of the weather mm-hmm. like i used to be a guy who's like i gotta wait for the perfect wet i gotta work for that i gotta wait for that cold front the, the right wind not too much wind right yada 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 yep. but what i learned in this one scenario is that i mean hell it was like 80 degrees a couple years ago and I skipped, but I had my cameras out there and there were bucks running around like crazy mm-hmm. and I wasn't there. So it's like, well, it's more important the weather or the time that you're out or the three day window that you're out there. So anyway, not to go down a rabbit hole, but I love rabbit holes, but I get it. Like there's, there's a window and a pinch on my family farm. And I found it because I put out a soaker camera and left it go for the whole year. Never went there. I pulled the camera late that after the season and from like the 12th of October to like the 18th of October, there was 15 different bucks that daylighted. And and I'm like, Holy shit. And there was every, there was no cold front. There was like, it was warm, you know, it's the October to lull kind of thing, but they found this little pocket and they love it. Um, Nothing was a giant. There was a couple shooters in there, but I'm like, what the hell what are, what are we missing here you know yeah. so it's it's neat yeah, yeah for sure well man i'm gonna wrap this up i appreciate you coming on and doing this um good talking to you about deer hunting um like i said before we started this it's ramping up and i'm i'm getting excited i shot my bow a couple times last night with my broadheads on they hit exactly where i needed them to so i hung the bow back up <laughs> yeah there you go yep but uh, do you have, um, I mean, everybody knows where to find you on latitude, like social channels and everything, but do you do anything on your personal stuff? Like uh, any posts in there? Yeah. I mean, any, any content is going to go through latitude. We're, 
we're uh, crappy at the social media as it is. So <laughs> managing two channels would be just way out of our skill set. So I, yeah, I just recommend following along on the, the Latitude site. So cool, man. Well, I greatly appreciate you doing this and uh, we'll definitely do it again for sure. All righty. Cool. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate you having me. Yep. All right, there you have it. Thank you, Alex, for coming on, man. That is greatly appreciated. Everybody out there, again, thank you for all the support. And don't forget, go check out Vector Custom Shop, Exodus Trail Cams, Helix Broadheads, and Latitude Tree Saddles. Season is coming here. I mean, in September, we're going to be hunting whitetails in Kentucky and other states as well. So get ready. It's coming. Thank you guys very much. We'll be right here next week on the Fall Podcast. Podcast.